Oh, hi there, listener. It's just Em here, doing some housekeeping before this episode. Um, We recorded this on a very hot day. It was so hot that Polly and I temporarily forgot how microphones work. So um, if the audio is a bit poor on this one, sorry. And before you start thinking that Helen knows everything about how to record stuff, she actually managed to turn off her audio stream halfway through. Um, So it's been another fun adventure in editing for me. I'm learning lots as I go through this. Um, We have now begun our training in earnest for the Royal Parks Half Marathon, which takes place in London in October. If you would like to sponsor us, we are supporting Royal Trinity Hospice as always. Um, And you can find our Just Giving page at justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash lovejoy dash actually dash royal dash parks or go to lovejoyactually.com forward slash trinity and follow the link from there or check out our social media at lovejoyapod and follow the link in our bio i'll pop it in the show notes as well all right let's go find out why lovejoy's in soho Lovejoy, actually. (laughs) Welcome to Lovejoy, actually, a recap podcast about Lovejoy. I'm Helen. Oh, I'm Em. And I'm Paul. And it's great to be with you today. And today we're talking about season, season? No. It's because we've just done an American podcast. That's what it is. If you haven't heard our American podcast, please go back and listen to our previous episode. Or go to Midsummer Maniacs and listen to episode... Is it 88 of theirs? A Sacred Trust. Me and Paul, oh. guest star. Nuns! Nuns! So I've got and, it out my system now. Yeah. Fine. So we're talking about series six, episode five, Guns and Roses. It's by John Milne. I actually wrote it down this time. I didn't get as far as writing down who directed it. I'm not that organised. But I did write John Milne. Mm-hmm. I know who directs the next one. Do you know who directs the next is one? Is it Ian I'm McShane? Excited. It is Ian McShane. Just he wanted to direct his wife. Um, I wonder if we should compare beverages, because I saw you oh. flashing yours at the screen, plus I have a cocktail oh, sorted out. Oh, Helen's got the old face. Pinot, Pinot, the Pinot, classic Pinot, 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 Grigio Fizz. I mean, because obviously Em turned me on to this, I wouldn't be aware of this if it wasn't for her, and it is just an amazing little drink. I'm going to open it now. Oh, that's a good noise. I must admit, Em is looking what I would call tired and emotional. <laughs> I'm quite tired and emotional. <laughs> I have physically gone into work today. I am still at my place of work because I wouldn't have had time to get back and record this. So what I decided to do, which may or may not have been a great idea, uh, was after I finished work, I went out and sat in a park with my colleague and uh, had a little little bit of a wine snifter. And then there were some people in the park who came up to us and said, listen, we've got to go now. Do you want some beer? <laughs> so I've got two Moretti's. That a random stranger gave me in central London, but they were sealed. I have had to open them. Um, so I'm having beer, which is very unlike me. Um, but my, my friend's gluten intolerant, so I, I, um, I took one for the team and I've taken both beers. Uh, that's very, very, um, loyal of you. You're a very loyal friend. I feel like I'm, I'm left out, but I am so freaking hot. It's the hottest day it's of the so year. Hot. So really the hot. day that we're recording this, I literally, I have a glass of sparkling water. This is sparkling water because somehow that implies that you're doing something a bit fancy. Do you, have yes. you seen that there's one, one of the like the sort of coffee shops in the station, like the chain, little chains of coffee shops, and they, they actually have like, 
boring water and exciting water. Exciting water. That's what we call <laughs> it. Is. I've seen that. Is yeah. it Pacinos, I think? Pacinos. I don't like sparkling water. It tastes like pins and needles. I know. I, oh, that's a really interesting... Uh, I love exciting I love water. I do like a white wine spritzer, though, with soda water. Okay. I don't like it with lemonade, so actually... Well, I realise one of the reasons I'm only drinking water is I've run out of white wine catastrophe, and it's not a red wine evening. It's not a red wine evening. It really no. isn't a red wine evening. It's a rosé, a Pinot it's Grigio a rose, blush. I haven't got any of that either, Pinot blush. But I, I have a massively inappropriate... Well, appropriate cocktail by name, but really not appropriate for this time of, for this, uh, time of year. The cocktail that I've got for this episode, which is Helen said is called Guns and Roses, is called Gunfire. Mm. And it's if have you ever had it, it's called it's tea and rum. Black tea and rum, not Ooh. so no milk, because that would just be because that would be weird. Is it is it is it is it iced tea? Is it cold tea? Or do you just put rum in your tea? I think I think it's cold tea, but I quite like the idea. I think it would work. It doesn't really specify just as black tea and, and rum, and I'll, I'll post the um, mm. uh, I'll post the recipe. But I can imagine that it would work really well with one of those really sort of smoky, um, you know, sort of lapsang souchong or something like that. One of those really mm. smoky teas. Yeah, um, you can even try it with whiskey in a smoky could, tea. Could try it. Could try it with whiskey. Apparently, it's a traditional Christmas drink of the army. Uh, the British Army, <laughs> which is right. but I suppose that there's an element of kind of oh what have we got? Well, we've got tea and we've got rum. Oh, we'll just mix them together. It's like um, a mulled wine. It's, it's yeah, kind of. All it says here is comprising, com- comprising. I'm the sober one. Comprising black tea and rum. I'm wondering. Um, I think it must be warm then if it's a Christmas drink. I guess it is. It just says uh, one cup of black tea with one shot of rum stirred in the cup. That's Ooh. all it says. It's the really, really simple to... I might try it. I imagine that's a so very soothing go. drink, isn't it? I feel like I might make one How during nice. this recording. It probably... It probably <laughs> is, but it does I have tea soothing. and I have rum. Yeah. It's like um, experimental archaeology, but experimental cocktails. Exactly. I found another version of the recipe, and that just says strong black tea. So, you know, it, it doesn't... And actually, this one does recommend black tea, such as Lapsang Souchong. Mm. So... So there you go. Well, there you um, go. I could have just had a cup of tea, but I desperately wanted water because my my flat. Of course, I've got an app that tells me what the temperature is in my flat, and it's twenty nine in the room I'm oh, in at the moment. Oh, Lala's hot. Yeah, oh, that's la, la. one of the reasons I stayed at work actually because it's quite cool. Yeah, you've got air. Cones. Um, so I'm in central London, and this episode starts in central London. The it first does. thing I've written is. Is that Berwick Street? I don't know if it was Berwick Street, but it was certainly it was Soho, Berwick wasn't Street. It? Because it's the bit around Leicester Square. It's that bit of Soho around there. Um, I quite enjoyed um, they're, they're sort of walking through Soho on its last legs, really, isn't it? I, I'm, we're going to get into this as we discuss oh, this definitely. episode. Um, but they, they're walking through the bit where there's all the sex shops and stuff. But there's one that says, Joy of Love. And Love Joe's like, no relation. <laughs> I've, I've written that as the first thing I've written. Joy of love, no relation. Shall I, I? Just, I just quite like that. Go on, it, read the sorry, story. Um, we missed your. Um... No, no, it's fine. Just give you a flavour of what this is going to be. Yes. We've, also, we've already got a bit of a flavour. So Soho and sex shops. Yeah. So what UK TV Play have to say about it? They've gone a bit lazy with the general description. Timeless comedy drama. Time. Come on. See, it's not timeless see, when someone's using a mouse like a remote control. I also, know. of all the episodes they could have said that, this is really not one of them because, as I say, yeah. as I'm sure we are going to talk about, we know this is our stomping ground and it is nothing like that anymore. Yeah. Exactly. I did I did underline the word timeless and right next to it, discuss. 
<laughs> because yeah, it's not it's not really timeless, is it? We've discussed many times. Lovejoy, Lovejoy in general is not especially timeless. Yeah. And um, so this is the plot: an antique gun resurfaces in an armed robbery, and Lovejoy is implicated. His alibi involves an old flame. What? How will Charlotte react? I thought Charlotte did very well. Well, yeah, I so thought Charlotte so, yeah, did very so, well. Unsurprisingly, um, given the title, it does involve guns. This episode quite heavily. It's really about guns, and I I liked it. They also shoehorn some roses in, which I appreciated. <laughs> they did. They were like, oh crap, we need to call it Guns and Roses. How do we get the roses in? Yeah. So, as we said, it starts in Soho. Uh, I feel like we should explain where that is. It's in central London. It's very. It was a very seedy part of central London. Um, I mean, bits of it's a lot, to be honest. Yeah. We do student walking tours around there. It's fascinating. I love Soho. The student, the walking tour that we do, Karl Marx lived there. So it's it's this place that is a mixture of ill repute, but but also it's sort of always the place where it's happening. So for in the last sort of, I guess, from from around the time this was made but very much afterwards as well mm. and still it's the the gay district in, yeah. in London and it's or less so now I found because there used to be a couple of lesbian bars and they don't exist anymore but it was the centre when I first came to university here in 2000 of the kind of LGB as it then was before yeah, it was LGBT. LGB. Nobody else is involved in this. No, no one else. That's it. It's just us. Uh, and even even the bees often got a bit of uh, you know they were not sure about us. But um, yeah. So it, it and, but at this point before that it was very much you know the sex shops and prostitutes mm. kind of area. Have wasn't you it? guys Red Light District. ever been to Trisha's? I've just realised we've never been together, which seems crazy. Yeah, but now. you've talked about it. But he loved at length. Trisha's. Trisha. I love Trisha's. Trisha's is a bar in Soho that you. It's 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 not really called Trisha's. It's called the New Everesto Club, and technically you have to be a member to go. But if you know a member, you can go with them. No, I've not been. Um, and as soon as you know where it is, actually, you can just kind of go in. As long as you sign in and they know that you who you are, you can you can go in. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, if you don't know where it is, you would never know it was there. And I, and I feel like as I was watching this episode, that that was the sort of closest thing that we could ever experience to what was happening here because it's all gone. It's it's not, you know. We'll get into it. So the, there's a guy called Kevin who's got a, a sort of dodgy boss. Kevin and, and the Ponce. Kevin he's the actually, he's he's in it, and I just I found that. Both troubling and amusing. So we, we don't find out he's called Kevin the Ponce for a while, but Polly had told us in advance in our little WhatsApp <laughs> chat. There's a character in this called Kevin, called Kevin the, the Ponce. Ponce. Did anybody do the look up the etymology of Ponce? I have kind of hoped that we didn't. No, but I, I did, did not. I, but I feel like this wasn't. We find out he's called Kevin the Ponce, and we know this because it was like a prison nickname. So I feel like mm. prison nicknames. I mean, even probably nowadays. Are probably politically incorrect. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I, think, I feel like Kevin the Ponce could be a prison nickname now. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I'm sure it would be. I don't think I'm it sure really it dates be. it. But it, I mean, for the purpose, it dates it in general. Like, you wouldn't call someone that in day to day life. Yeah. But as a prison nickname, I feel like no, it's actually it's British slang and it dates back to 1872. I thought it might be quite old. And it originally meant, um, well, it says here a pimp or, and this is the most euphemistic phrase ever, a man supported by women. <laughs> which is great um 
the man supported by women but it, it, it isn't used to mean that now particularly now and then it says a man who is effeminate in his manner and fussy in the way he dresses oh which is quite interesting actually because kevin the ponce is actually quite a uh, I wouldn't say he was an effeminate character he doesn't, at all. That's why I was so surprised. Yeah, I'd forgotten that you told us that. And then when they did say it, I was like, but he's not particularly. I mean, maybe compared to a general hard prison nut, he is a bit poncy. Or maybe know. in prison, he just had a slightly different way of getting through prison. I don't know. Anyway, Kevin, as it were, as it were. Kevin, Kevin's there and he's got a boss. And then I've written. <laughs> Is this gentrification? Question mark. The answer is yes. This is, <laughs> this is gentrification. Yeah, because we also find out you know, they're going to visit George Wilson, who's a quite a major character in this episode, who's a gunsmith. Oh. And Lovejoy um, says he's got some sick guns, which um, is hilarious because nowadays I have a teenage boy who lives in my house. Yes. So nowadays, if you say you've got like a sick gun, you mean you've got a really, really good. Like, your gun is awesome. It's really yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. And so when he said, I've got a couple of sick guns, I was like, my God, what is happening here? He's got really good guns. No, he's got guns that he needs George to... They're poorly, up. poorly yeah. guns. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I wasn't quite so hot on the gentrification. I just wrote, Soho is a bit different now. <laughs> <laughs> I was really, like, incisive and uh, analytical here. But, but um, yeah, because Kevin's boss is basically saying, you know, he's bought up quite a lot of property in the area but he can't I I'm, not, I'm not, not sure why because I didn't write this down but he he can't buy this gun shop or he's trying to buy the gun shop but um what's the name of the guy he has bought Wilson? the gun shop he oh, has, he has, has bought, so yeah. he is now the landlord so this guy the 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 yeah property guy Kevin's boss it has bought the lease so mm. as in bought sorry bought the property and it comes with George Wilson as the lessor lessee rather um so yeah and they and then I guess there must be a clause in the in the lease to say they can't just kick him out or it's last for a certain yeah. length of time and, and they like don't that. want it to be a gun shop right they want to make money on it and have it be I don't know what a bar a strip club I don't know certainly he runs a strip club this dodgy landlord yeah and this gun shop has been in the family for generations it's in lovely, George's family and it's it? really like old-fashioned I love these kind of shops and there are still some of them in central London well I wonder if they'll survive the pandemic but you know that sell really specific I mean guns is quite a general thing but um sell really specific things like an umbrella shop whatever that's just been there for like years you know what I mean like very I just they're great so yeah so basically that's what they they want him to sign over the lease basically but he's not having any of it and they're kind of they're kind of threatening him but not I mean not in any serious way yeah just like having a word at this point and meanwhile Lovejoy is waxing lyrical to the camera about his guns <laughs> um, and George says that actually it's going to take him a little while to sort it out and Lovejoy's got all his money tied up in his guns so he's like oh, please don't have them for too long because once again he is skint but Kevin the Ponds was in as I've written was in Nick with Lovejoy yeah, yeah but he also who who's the actor that plays Kevin oh is it oh no hang on sorry uh I've, oh i've put it's gary cooper brackets not that one. not that one <laughs> those brackets he trained at drama center london because i used to work there ah, yeah because i i feel like i recognize him from other things like i thought maybe eastenders yeah maybe most of them have been in eastenders yeah, he, i would have thought he'd probably been in EastEnders. yeah he's definitely a recognizable actor but yeah so yeah he's great he's fab in this that oh this is i love the characters in this 
and then we go so we then um so Kevin has obviously gone to like try and you know have a word with George it hasn't worked George is not having any of it he's like no way I'm not selling over my lease to you scumbag and so <laughs> Kevin goes back to the his boss is called Burgess yeah Mr Burgess, Burgess. Mr Burgess so he goes back to his club which I think was called Too Funky <laughs> I didn't write it down. I, I, mean, I didn't write it down. I didn't notice. It's a strip club called, yes. called Too Funky. So Kevin delivers the bad news to um, Mr. Burgess that, you know, George is not going to give up without a fight. And, and he says, but I, I was in Nick with Lovejoy. And Mr. Burgess is like, oh, maybe we could use him as cholesterol. I've written down what Gary idea. Cooper was in. He was in Quadrophenia. Okay. Oh, really? And you must have both seen quite He's got a bit of a look, a modish look even in this. Maybe it's yeah. He does. He it, does have it, a leather jacket on quite a lot cast of the time. again. <laughs> <laughs> and we also find out that Burgess owns most of South East London. So I don't know if it's like he owns Burgess Park. Or... <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> yeah, probably. That I is brilliant. I wondered if he was based on someone. Because don't you remember there was that awful landlord? I don't know if he got arrested in the end. What, Ratman? The guy in the 60s? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it was more recent, but I might be wrong. No, there might have been someone more recent, but there was a guy called Rackman in the 60s who I think was the guy who somebody didn't pay him his, the rent. So he, he when they were out, came and took the staircase out <laughs> so they couldn't get upstairs. I don't know. I'm and I shouldn't laugh. It's terrible. And he a lot of the legislation that exists to protect tenants nowadays exists because of this one mm. arsehole. Oh. But certainly, uh, I mean, when when did buy to let start? It must have been towards the late nineties, I guess. But the, this sort of property speculation that is happening. Oh yeah, it, was, it must have been an eighties yuppie thing going but, into Burgess the nineties. Like just ton, tons of property. He really wants the gun shop, so and yeah. now he can't get George Wilson out of his gun shop, but he knows that Lovejoy's a bit maybe a bit dodgy, so he's going to see if he can use that. And they're kind of they're a bit confused why Lovejoy would be a client of Wils, of George Wilson's when he's dodged, when he's been in prison. But I don't think the two things are like you could be in prison and then still have some antique guns. I don't know. Yeah. They, were like, they were so confused. Like, how could he possibly be going to that shop? It's like, well, there was this thing about not being allowed to own a gun after you've not having been able to have a gun license after you've been in prison. Yeah, obviously, so that, that then gets yeah. That could be why. Let's see. And I, yeah, I put this is where they said where um, they say about the sick guns. So I've written that they brought Wilson sick guns. I don't think in the modern sense. <laughs> yeah, I got very confused. It took me a while things. to be like, oh, he's being funny. Because now that does not, again, it ageless. It is not an ageless drama, is it? Sit, no. gun, sit guns means something totally different now. So, um, so yeah, so basically George Wilson says, you know, look, I can I can give them the once over, but it'll take a month. And Love was like, but I need them sooner. He's like, well, it'll take a month. So, mm-hmm. they, so they have to leave the guns with Wilson. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I just put... Lovejoy is surprised you have to pay for water. Yeah, he's looking at his bills. Mm. And I I put, confused about the water bill, get a grip. (laughs) He's like, why am I paying for water? Mm. Um, Charlotte brings him some money. Brings him a cheque, yeah. We also find out that, I feel like we should know this already, but I don't think she's mentioned before. Charlotte mentions that she studied at the court old. Which, I mean... Yes, I don't think she's mentioned I don't think we did. We know she studied in Cambridge and we know she worked in New York, but I don't think she's mentioned the... I assume she did have masters at the court old. So, and then and then this is where we get an instruction to one of the other brilliant characters in this episode. Texas! Oh, oh now we like him. Now we're talking. Yeah. Texas calls and he's on his way from Texas. There's a brilliant joke here because Texas is like coming over and every time he comes over to Europe, you know, he, he buys big. He buys all the European shit, mm. you know, and Lovejoy makes money. So um, Lovejoy says, Lovejoy says, buy me something to sell Texas. And the response is, what about Mexico? 
So that was brilliant. There were some really good jokes in here that go very gently. So mm. if you're not kind of fully paying attention, you would never hear them. There's a brilliant one later on that I... Anyway, Texas loves Lovejoy. And there was an excuse for a bit of jaunty American music. Which oh, yes, liked. there was. That's always good. They're getting even better with the music, I think, as the series go on. Yeah. So, yeah, Texas Yates is an enormous American buyer who loves Lovejoy. And so Lovejoy's like, this is great. I need money. This is perfect. But in the excitement, he then realises he's late to meet Alice. So I'm going to say this is one of my favourite scenes in all of Lovejoy. I just found it really adorable. But I mean, I found her a bit annoying. I just put Jesus. He has a type, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She she's. I mean, all I've written is, Lovejoy goes to Alice. She is a faker, question mark. So she's an artist. Yeah, she's an yeah. artist. She's fa- he's faking, yeah, some palmers for him and some right. other things. And then all I've written is, is he going to drive her to Scotland, question mark? She, and I just put, she's the old flame. So she's, she's the old, the old flame, flame. That, that was trailed. They've got a lovely way of talking to each other. That's what I like. They do, it. but she reminded me a bit of his ex-wife, and not necessarily in a good way. Like when she makes that comment about the car breaking down, and I've just written, did she sabotage the car? I thought she might have drained the, uh, the battery. Petrol. Yeah, because out of the or something, or, you know, or, or drain the battery. Sorry, it's the battery. Oh, wow. but, you know, like, that didn't even occur to me at all. Me I neither. Was like, if I was her, I'd be so pissed off. I was expecting to be able to get to Scotland, and now I can't. I'm stuck. Yeah, he owes her £500, presumably, for these paintings. Yeah. And he gives her £70. It's a bit... I mean, you'd I mean, have to on. really love somebody to not be massively... Pissed. To be fair, when they're having this lovely back and forth, because obviously they are very flirty-flirty, I did... Uh, he is sexy. He was really sexy. This was probably my the episode where I was the most like, yeah, okay, I get I it. I wish he wasn't so, I know he was, wasn't he? But he's so on off with Charlotte, which annoys me because in the last episode, you had them reading, or you had him reading in yeah, that very sexy voice. This is just for spring cleaning time, you know, James said, blah, blah. <laughs> he, he wants me always to do his spring cleaning. As though spring cleaning is some bizarre euphemism. For, <clears throat> well, there's an even yeah. more bizarre euphemism that comes up in a minute. So she says, because like he's true. sort of like say, suggesting that they that they you know get it on. She's like, look, I've got to go back to Scotland. She obviously lives in Scotland. I've got to go because I've got an off-peak return. And Lovejoy <laughs> says, so do I. <laughs> that, yeah. But, mm. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, what's off-peak return? I mean, it doesn't sound particularly sexy to me. But no. Obviously, maybe I'm missing out on something. It allows you to, if you suddenly think, actually, I'd rather stay. It means that you can, I guess. Because he does stay. It's, it, it's important that he stays. Because at this point, even though she's saying I've got to go, they kind of, already at this point, there's a suggestion that they might just get it on. And I'm just like, what about Charlotte? It's like you said, what about Charlotte? I understand it's on and off, but it's so on and off. Yeah, like, but his relationship with Alice is different. They've got like a deep understanding. She'll mm. always be there for him. He'll always be there for her. Maybe they won't see each other for seven, eight years at a time, and then they'll. Anyway. Well, I don't think Charlotte was very. I I suppose I just felt like (laughs) I don't think Charlotte would have been very cool about this. No. And he knows that because later on, when as trailed in the like synopsis, when she is his alibi, he doesn't want to tell Charlotte. He knows that what she will think. He knows he puts. So, but anyway, so so they decide. Okay, so he's like, right, okay, I'm gonna give you a lift to the station, and then this is where, yeah, they discover that the there's no battery in the car, and I mean, imagine this again, timeless comedy drama. The nearest phone is half an hour away. 
timeless. It's so timeless, this. That's what I love about it. It's just timeless. Yeah, and, and she's like, it's down there. And then, so for some reason, because they can't be asked to do that, he's like, oh, I'll just stay here then. Let's have sex. Yeah. Great. Yeah, because then she's like, he's like, oh, it's half an hour walk. And he's like, oh, okay, I suppose I could walk to the phone. And then she's like, oh, is that rain? And it's obviously not raining at all. And then they shag. Which is why I thought she'd sabotage the whole thing. Like, oh dear, you, we'll have to stay here then together. Well, maybe she did. That did not occur to me at all. But maybe, maybe she did. But I don't know why. I think the reason that I didn't think that is because Alice seemed quite secure and independent in her life. I don't know why. No, she she's securely and independently setting up a tryst without making it look like she's doing it deliberately. Oh, she's she's my hit. She might be my favourite Lovejoy character ever. She <laughs> is pretty awesome, isn't she? She's great later on. I actually warmed to her later on when she's chatting to Charlotte. I thought oh, that was very funny. It's brilliant. Yeah, she's a great character. So then and then so whilst they're getting it on, meanwhile elsewhere we see well basically Peril! 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 We see a, a dodgy peril girl. Alert, peril 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 alert. It never works. It's too hot. Peril alert, 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 peril alert. It doesn't really work on Zoom. Yeah. It'll work in the edit. It'll work in post. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we see basically we see a dodgy guy breaking in somewhere. We don't know what's going on. And in we, a leather jacket. And we see, yeah, exactly. Crucially, Chekhov's leather jacket. We realise it's Kevin. Kevin yeah. dressing as Lovejoy. But why did he dress as Lovejoy to break in? Because he's framing Lovejoy. I know, but there's no CCTV, is there, in the gunshot? I know. It's a bit weird why he does it now. I think it's just to show us, isn't it? It's like yeah, yeah I think so. And anyway, because. I guess because, well, they might, maybe he thought they might have been further along the road, though. You know, maybe he thought there might yeah. have been CCTV Someone somewhere. Someone might see him, yeah. Coming out of the... Stupid, it's important it? that the whole thing... Yeah, yeah so, so, um, so, yeah, so he goes into the gun, sh- the gun shop. He um, saws off a shotgun and then puts on his leather jacket and sunnies. I've written here, I really like the Soho music, which I realise now was just kind of like maybe the bass coming out of the club, but I haven't heard it for so long. I was like, oh, what's that lovely music? Just lovely music. Uh, Tuneful, tuneful. And then we cut, then we cut back to post-coital love joys, so we, um, <laughs> we know that what has happened. And then, so there's, an, and then Ke- what Kevin's going to do is off to do, as Lovejoy, an armed robbery at Bookies. Um, <laughs> and, he, and he's with someone, and he's with someone else. Who's he? Do we know who the other person is? We don't is? know who the accomplice is. I don't no. know. No, I don't think so. Um, do you remember last episode, I owned the Antique of the Week, the uh, beautiful yes, Peter Pan, yeah. Well, this week, I owned the top that the woman was wearing in the bookies. She's wearing like a fluffy pink crop top. And I'm 100% certain that was from CNA. I mean, who didn't have a fluffy pink crop top at this at this moment? What I loved about her, what I loved about her, and I know that it, it turns out that she's in on it, but she's just kind of, it reminded me. So there was a, there was a robbery where I used to live years and years ago, around the same time, actually, in the 90s. And this guy went into a petrol station to rob a petrol station, held up a, a fake gun mm. and said, open the till and give us your money. And the woman behind the till just went, no. And he went, what? And she <laughs> yeah. said, no. And he went, 
oh, and after a bit of a standoff, he kind of walked out and the police picked him up halfway down the road. And it was just a bit like, oh, shit, I hadn't banked on that. Like, yeah. I just <laughs> and it reminded me of that. And it, I was quite sad when she turned out to be in on it. Yes, I, thought I she was, was as well. Awesome because she was I was like, yes, go you. She was really tough. They, they did this sort of fake robbery, really, where Kevin dresses as Lovejoy, holds up the bookies, shoots off his shotgun. I don't know why that sounded odd. I can't rude. speak. <laughs> a bit rude, um, yeah. And, and she, she's behind the counter and she kind of says to him, well, there's no more bullets in your gun, so... Yeah, you've shot both barrels, as yeah, it were. bye. <laughs> um, and he sort of... And it didn't seem like she was in on it at that point. No. I didn't think I mean, she was. I just thought she was brilliantly uninterested in the fact that she was yeah. getting robbed. She was like, and I admired that. And, and, also, I, I, and I think there, there was an element in the 90s, certainly towards the late 90s, where, you know, that's how you were. Like, even yeah. if you were absolutely shitting it and you were really, really It was quite stuff, a cool kind you of... You still were like, no, I'm quite hard, actually. I think the <laughs> implication as well yeah. is that um, a lot of cities, and I know at the moment there's issues here with knife crime and all of that but a lot of cities like london and new york mm. were more dangerous than they i mean the, the ira was still yeah. doing a lot around this time you know london was not i don't think as safe as it is now yeah. in fact i remember going to london my mum was always like oh, london you know that london and now i <laughs> not just london that london um but actually i got the, the impression i got before i figured out before they'd said she was in on it which again, she may not have been at this point. They might have just paid her and said, you know, they might tell yeah. her after. We, we never realise either way. Um, you get the feeling she's going oh, for fuck's sake, not again. And how often does this happen in Soho? Soho is presented as this quite desperate, you know, seedy place. So I did. I quite like that. Oh, you know, you want to money from the till? Yeah. Oh, you're robbing me, are you? Oh, great. Bye. <laughs> and then yeah. so you've got this kind of urban landscape whatever where this robbery is taking place and then it's juxtaposed with Lovejoy just sort of cycling through Suffolk because he's left yes. the van or whatever with Alice so she can get up to Scotland and I just oh, yes. really enjoyed like he's sort of like la, 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 through the country and meanwhile in Soho it's like boom, boom, boom. I thought that was a nice bit of continuity because do you remember that episode where they're all singing Valdery, Valderan <laughs> and cycling along yeah, back in cycling. series three he does like a good cycle I just thought he was cycling to the phone to fix, because they still need to fix the car. Wherever he was cycling, he, he, he looks good on a bike and it's a bit of continuity. He He's comfortable on a bike. It's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. He was very happy. He was very happy. And then, so Kevin's done the robbery, the fake robbery, and then he goes back to see Burgess, I guess, to give a sit rep, as they say on Lion Duty. And um, <laughs> Burgess is like such a stereotypical like you know rich guy whatever mm. he's like in his off it's so basically you've got the seedy club really grotty seedy club and mm. you go to his office which is like opulent and massive yeah. and lovely and beautiful and he sat there all serene listening to opera the contrast between his sort of wealth and the opulence it's quite dark actually you know, isn't it? where how he's making his wealth which presumably is by ex- sort of exploitation yeah. of women isn't it yeah and it's a bit no, yeah, women, he's got his women. strip clubs, and then the other thing he's got is he's a landlord. So yeah, evil. he's just an asshole, isn't he? He's the epitome. If they'd also made him an estate agent, he would have been the epitome of. Uh... So, but actually, in the scene, so Kevin is doing the role that Eric so often did back in the yeah. day. Do you know the exposition? So like Kevin, exposition. Is, Kevin is a bit thick, so Burgess has to explain to Kevin what the plan is, even though mm. Kevin just carried out the plan. So <laughs> really, obviously. <laughs> 
Burgess is explaining it for our benefit as viewers, which is very helpful because I didn't. It is. I didn't know what was going on, so I was. I was quite. I mean, I never know what's going on. They should. They should have Kevin the Ponce in every episode <laughs> and just cut to a scene where somebody goes, "Now, what's happening now?" Yeah. So, so, and it's quite. They sort of think of everything. So basically, explain that you know the plan was obviously you've got the gun, which was Lovejoy's gun. He's done a robbery with it. So now a, a gun that's got Lovejoy's prints on has done a robbery. So they're like, "We'll get him." Not quite sure why they want to get him. Um, but then, obviously, Kevin makes a very good point of what Lovejoy will have an alibi. We don't know, you know, he could be yeah. doing anything right now. And he's like, well, it mm. doesn't matter because it's just a way to get to Wilson. Yeah, they, they just want to bring the gun shop into... Yeah, so, yeah. like, even if it's Lovejoy... Really... It's like, yeah, they, the gun came from Wilson's shop and somehow that will... All this turmoil Ooh. and whatever will force him to give the lease over. It's not exactly clear. I mean, Kevin doesn't understand. As, Kevin's meant to be not understanding because he's stupid. But I mean, I didn't really understand either what the plan was. It seemed like a it seemed like a plan that could easily go wrong. Yeah, it um, did. But they have thought of everything, and it is also massively cynical. I I'm almost it's to me somehow even more distasteful than if he had some kind of bone to pick with Lovejoy, and he doesn't really. Lovejoy's convenient and been in prison. Yeah, I, I find it quite I I don't know why that's somehow way more distasteful. But I think we've seen a lot of people getting their own back for long term grudges, and this is just nasty. Yeah. And greed. It's greed. It's, That's what it is. It's, it's actually greed. He just wants yeah. to grow his seedy little empire, really, doesn't he? He and does. He's going to do whatever he can to. I mean, again, you, you get the feeling this, that there's a little bit of social commentary going on in this, as we've had in a couple of episodes in the last couple of series. Yeah, it's interesting. 100%. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so like the idea, I suppose, because the thing about gentrification, obviously, that. There's whole, you know, you can write a thing, there are whole books and whatever's written about gentrification. But from my very unexpert perspective, it's like gentrification is this process that, you know, in theory is meant to make places more pleasant. And you can see that with Soho, like it was a bit of a no-go area for some yeah, people. And the mm. idea, it's like this, you could see it and it was kind of sometimes portrayed as a positive thing to like make this area more pleasant to be in. But actually driving it was really quite you know, mm. unpleasant forces yeah. and a lot of greed. Like, I mean, that, that's Burgess. All and a lot of gangs, I think, didn't they, at the time as well? I mean, actually, also, you've only got to go a little bit south and you're in the bit where they got kidnapped and taken to that Chinese restaurant. Just yeah. casual racism and jumping through a screen. Yeah. In the last <laughs> yes. series. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so they, um, the police then... Oh, no, no, sorry. First of all, Lovejoy um, spies, to go back to the Texas subplot... Lovejoy spies a tapestry that he thinks that Texas... It is lovely. The Triumph of Marcus Aurelius. It's lovely. I still don't think they made enough of Tex in this, actually. I think Texas should have been in it it more. It's a nice little subplot, isn't it, for a bit of comic It is, but it could have been a bit more of a a subplot, and I do like it, and it's sort of, yeah, comic interlude, I suppose. uh, From the quite perilous main plot because then the police get an anonymous tip-off obviously we know who it's from i'm laughing at my notes here my notes are literally like police officers and then (laughs) at the top of that i've written metropolitan (laughs) just so we know they're definitely police officers from london and they've got they've got a tip-off that lovejoy did the robbery anonymous tip-off we know it's obviously from kevin and also these police officers somehow know that lovejoy's got form so Mm. my thought here was how did they look that up? Mm. Why would they, Kevin had told them? They held the mouse but, at the screen but, like that and they clicked <laughs> it and it magically opened a place. No, so, okay, Kevin phones up. Oh, someone phones up and says, oh, you know that robbery at the bookies the other night? I know who did that. I can give you a name, Lovejoy. Okay. Oh, okay. Thanks for the nick. Fine, thank you. Okay, great. Fine, Lovejoy. 
And then they go to the police computer and type in Lovejoy. Is he the only Lovejoy that's got a criminal record? He's the, on- he's the only Lovejoy that's not Mr. Just Lovejoy. All the other Lovejoys will be on there as Mr. I mean, I was, I was, I was like, that's how they know. I was like, how does this work? You don't know his first name. How all the others gonna- will have a first name. He'll be the one on there without a first name or a title. That's what it is. Is it really weird? That was my first. I was like, how did you look him up? Presumably they looked him up and found that his, they probably found it was related to antiques because he was framed for an antique-related You just got to wonder how many Lovejoys are on there. And probably how many... not a huge number that will have been done for similar things. <laughs> no, but they don't know if they'd have been done for similar things until they go through every record. I, I would yeah, but there's like not going to be hundreds. It's not like he's called Smith. There's no. not going to be hundreds of them. No. Well... I love the police in this episode, which is very unlike me. I adored them. I thought they were great. So for some reason, no, not for some reason, because Lovejoy thinks that Texas will love this tapestry, he bids for it at Charlotte's auction and gets it for 12 yep. grand and then doesn't pay her. He is, he has got like Come on. major gall in this episode, even for him, to be I mean, honest. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit cheeky, isn't it? No, but what I love is that because he's, he, the way he does it is he pretends that he's got um, Texas on the phone. I, I think he probably, I think he does genuinely try to get Texas on the phone and can't. Um, so he pretends mm-hmm. he's got Texas on the phone bidding, um, but he's really phoned up the uh, the news phone line. <laughs> Again, timeless. Uh, <laughs> phoning up a special line that you can listen to. Timeless in that description. Maybe they were being sarcastic. Timeless. <laughs> Do you like, you used to ring the speaking clock. Like, I used to ring the speaking clock quite regularly because obviously if you're like setting... You know, oh, yeah, you're setting your clocks and you can't remember but but yeah because obviously if you need to like reset your clock or reset your whatever you didn't know yeah. what, you didn't know exactly what time it was because you didn't exactly so you had to phone up the speaking oh, clock timeless Does it uh-huh. still, is the speaking clock surely it doesn't still like... one one two three isn't it one two three now you can just google what time is it and it'll tell yeah, you well, yeah okay just look at you yeah. or look at your phone anyway i feel like this i feel like the speaking clock still exists it was one, two, three, wasn't it? That's what you died. Yeah. At the third stroke, Somebody wanted the time to sponsored it. by Accurist will be. Of course, I wonder if it really... Right, I'm going to try and phone it from my mobile. <laughs> it's live on the podcast. This is live. Go on, go on Helen. We're, we're on tenterhooks here. I just phoned it and it still exists. Excellent. I'm glad we uh, went down that diversion because otherwise I'd have lain awake all night worrying about whether the speaking clock existed. One, two, three, you can still call the speaking clock. <laughs> and it's a third stroke. Who knows if you're anywhere else? Anyway, where were we? So Lockjaw's going to have to sell some stock. Yeah, so basically he's t- taken advantage of Charlotte. Again, like, I'm sorry, does he actually like Charlotte? He's just shagged some other woman. He was actually really shit with her yeah. here. And it, yeah. It was, this was an absolute cheek. And, and I mean, I'd be really pissed off. If I was here. Oh no! And I've looked down at my notes, and all I've written is Lovejoy is late to the swan with some stolen flowers. But to be honest, I'd be won over by this. I think what stolen great. flowers? <laughs> yeah. Do you think he still has the note on? I lost my mind in this episode. She, well, Sorry, let's explain. So, she, so Charlotte, Charlotte gives him twenty-four hours to get the money, or even to get most of the money. She doesn't even ask for all of it. But he, but she knows better. She's just willing to cut her losses. Oh yeah, and then like he's written, so then they go out. Yeah, he writes her to dinner, and then he's written, he's written an IOU. I thought it was adorable. Sorry, I thought it was. The 
card. He put a lot of effort into the card. It was so cute. No, it wasn't. He'd written written I-O-U, and like in between he's filled in the letters to say, I love you. But again, but I'm sorry, does he love her? He's not acting like he loves her. He doesn't, I was going to say, he doesn't, he's acting more like, yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he does bring flowers and he does even look a bit smart. Well, when we say he does bring flowers, as he's coming into the swan, there are some flowers there and he just yoinks them. But I mean, from her perspective. Yeah. From her perspective, it's but very, very cute. She still has to pay for dinner. Yeah, that was cheeky. I have been to the Swan in Lavenham, by the way. I've I have eaten at the Swan oh, in Lavenham. Oh, it did look really nice. And he, yeah, he's kind of an IOU twelve pound, obviously for the tapestry plus two and dinners. Dinner. And she's two. like, what? And he's like, yeah, this is this. You have to pay for this dinner. Well, I mean, come on, love, Joe. That is a that is a cheeky. That is a real cheek. Uh, sometimes you know when people really push it. It kind of flips over for me, and I just think, oh, you. No, I think it's really he's being shitty, and then he gets his come up. Well, no, it's not his come up because it's not. This isn't his fault. But then the police swoop into the restaurant to arrest him. Yeah, for some reason I've written here the cops are very funny. No idea. They're a bit. It's a bit over the top, isn't it? I mean, do you really need all of this? Like he's in a restaurant. It's almost like a SWAT team coming to like. Yes. It's a little bit over the top. Well, I suppose if they think he might be armed. But, he, I mean, he's obviously just yeah. having dinner. Maybe, yeah. and maybe it's like protocol, like if it's for an armed offence that you have to have armed. I suppose, yeah, because they do think at this point that he's been, um, that he was armed. Yeah, so they arrest, they arrest him. And like, oh, then obviously he goes to the police station and then obviously he's reluctant to give his alibi because he was with Alice. I will which... say at this point I thought he was a bit of a shit because he starts trying to sort of soft soap the police officer who's, the woman who's what's she called di done i think um, he starts trying to sort of wheedle his way into her affections and, and it's i not think this is anywhere. why i liked her so much because yeah. she was basically she's not like, having it all right so you carry on but well, also, cause whatever you like it's not going to get you anywhere well, exactly because he's trying to basically reason with the police i mean surely they've heard it all before like you're not gonna sure. how does he really think that he can charm a police yeah. officer I mean, and and also I, I think he does. He does think that he's managed to charm a tax inspector. So, <laughs> but I think also it's always so ridiculous on, and it's always a thing in TV and film where people are reluctant to give their alibi because blah blah blah. It's like it's ridiculous in real life. You just be like, oh my god, no, I was with so and so. Like, yeah, I didn't do I it. I didn't be in trouble with my kind of yeah it's like, or whatever. But if yeah. I was with them, I was with them. Yeah, I didn't do it. I can prove it. And then you'll let me out, and then yeah. this nightmare yeah. is over. Like, it's just a bit implausible that you wouldn't just straight away. Because obviously, he does tell them eventually. Why would you not just do it straight away? Just be like, yes, I've got another bite. I know it's less yep. dramatic, but it's always a bit unbelievable whenever it happens. It happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> My next bit of notes say Charlotte tells Kate she's gone off Lovejoy. Then I've written, and Charlotte can read Hebrew slash speak. Hebrew. I've written that. I've written, of course, Charlotte speaks Hebrew. Do you speak I, I Hebrew, Helen? We found it. Or... I don't think she's reading it. I think she just recognises that it's Hebrew. Mm. I mean, I would recognise Hebrew. Why I'd recognise Hebrew. Hebrew point in this section? No, I think idea. it's. I think so. As you say, she tells Kate she's not impressed with Lovejoy, but she still. But but she says that. But she still says she's going to help him get a lawyer to get mm. himself out of this mess. So actually, on the one hand, she's really embarrassed that he was arrested in front of her and it made her look bad and blah, blah. But she still is going to help him. So she does care about him. Yeah. And then, yeah, a fax comes through to Charlotte, is it? Um, from Texas. 
And they say it's in Hebrew, but I'm guessing it's not fully in Hebrew because why would Texas send a fax to Lovejoy in Hebrew? I was wondering, you know, like how faxes would have like all the headers and just the general yeah, yeah. bumper. So there's Hebrew oh, on it yeah. kind of thing. Or like it's Hebrew, like heading or whatever. I don't know. I could not work it out unless it's meant to be in some sort of code. Or, you know, as in he's using Hebrew as I don't know. Yeah, so he can speak to Lovejoy without the person who gets the fact yeah. knowing what he's said. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Then I've just written, Lovejoy sad about gun. And very northern. He was very northern. He was. He just seemed very northern i put i put something very similar he did seem very northern yeah so but it, obviously he's gutted when he sees the gun because they've sawn off this like 200 year old gun that's worth loads of money obviously now is no longer worth yeah. quite so much money and he's like look you know yeah okay that's my gun but i left it at wilson's for him to repair it's nothing to do with me blah blah so he's trying to sort of defend himself and actually, just, that, that's the bit that plays into mr burgess's plot because mr burgess really wants to get george wilson into trouble Right? Yeah. Lovejoy. Yeah. And then I've just written tink in bins. Yeah, I've been (laughs) tinkling through bins. Um, And what he's looking for is, is, I guess, the alibi. He's basically looking for the invoice that Alice would have given to Lovejoy. And then Charlotte finds it. And Charlotte's so smart, like, I think she immediately puts two and two together. Well, I think think he's trying to get her contact details, like her address. So that he can write to her or phone, I don't know, mm. and and tell and her what's say, happened. Can you come and stand yeah. up for you know? Because obviously the alibi will need to be corroborated. Mm. And then Charlotte is wearing an absolutely beautiful sleeveless denim blouse. I loved it. It was. She's always so beautifully nice. dressed, Charlotte. She's always. Just and it was Christian. so of its time. I'm sure I had a sleeveless denim blouse. <laughs> I think I did. Oh, very recently, I bought um like a sleeveless denim jacket, and as I was watching it, I was thinking, could I maybe? Fasten up my new denim jacket and wear it as a blouse. We'll see. Next time we record, if I'm wearing it, we'll know. Now, did anyone else? Did anyone else quite enjoy the ID parade? I do always love a good ID parade. Oh yes, yeah, so we have an ID parade exactly. Yes. That, uh... I can't remember what I was listening to the other day. It's another sort of crime story about somebody said about stupid criminals that give themselves away, and it was the guy that said. For the ID parade, do I need to wear what I wore when I did the robbery? <laughs> oh my god, I love him! <laughs> <laughs> when is he? So the police go to Wilson's shop. Obviously, Lovejoy said, "Look, my gun was at Wilson's shop. I didn't have it." So they go to Wilson's shop. You can hear like the strip club music, like thumping through the wall. Bless him. And they're questioning about the gun, and um, and he's like, "Well, yeah, it was taken." And then the police are sort of not having a go. I don't. They're not. They're not kind of. They're just saying, "Look, you know, you've got your gun." shop like your gun license you, you'd have more security on your shop people shouldn't just be able to break in steal a shotgun and use it in a robbery and mm. um, so this is so this is where you start to see ah you know it is going to work if they manage to get him to lose his license and yeah. then obviously there's a bit of premature champagne here well or as kevin calls it glass of shampoo shampoo <laughs> i really that's one of my like pet hates know, what, it's cool. awful isn't it? it's shampoo. just annoying <laughs> They're celebrating, like you say, premature, premature champagne. This is definitely premature champagne. Premature champagne. They're celebrating. They're like, yes, because they, they see the police, don't they, going to Wilson's yeah. shop. They're like, yes. It's like, well, so vile. They're so awful. And then this is where they have the identity parade. That's right, with the girl from the bookies. Yes. She, again, she's wearing something very fetching that I enjoyed a lot. She is indeed. But it, it's... Uh... 
just loved Joy's face and the whole thing. It's just the whole, yeah. And she, yeah, so she identifies Lovejoy, but even at this point, so then at this point, as we mentioned earlier, she is in on it, but at this point, it's mm. obvious she's in on it because she identifies yeah. Lovejoy, who did not do it. Did not do it, yeah. Um, yeah. But even at this point, I was just really confused. I was like, why is she identifying him? Is she, is she, you know, is she yeah. just confused herself? Is she just picking someone, blah, blah, blah? I was like, very, I was very confused. Um, And then, of course, we, because uh, the police have arrested Lovejoy, we go to court for everyone to explain, no, 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 he wasn't there to give the alibi. So Charlotte's there and Alice is there as well. They do bounce off each other rather well. The, the, the best thing in the world, <laughs> and when I say the best, I mean the absolute fucking worst, uh, for when two people who are sleeping with the same person yeah. have to, for some reason, come together for, you know, to, 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 um, to help that person out, I suppose is the word I'm looking for. Um, and then I feel kind of, because in my notes all I've written is Alice and Charlotte have a dig at each other but I didn't actually they do well yeah well Alice said oh so you're the latest Mm. and then I I can't remember who says what one of them says all love has a very short attention span and the other one says well size doesn't matter and Mm. there's this weird sort of to and fro where they're sort of slagging him off but also being a kind of defensive of themselves yeah yeah well it was awkward awkward. I mean basically what happens is they go to court Alice testifies that she was with love basically he gets off he gets out he's not no longer under arrest it's all fine um but obviously in the course of that charlotte has found out that mm. lovejoy was with her so bonking, um, alice. bonking alice so of course i mean it's to be expected there's going to be a little bit of antipathy although their relationship was the very epitome of there is a line in the importance of being earnest that says that the two of them the two women are going to become best friends they, they'll be calling it they'll be it says they'll, the line is that soon they'll be calling each other sister yeah. But women don't do that until they've called each other a lot of other things first. This is exactly <laughs> yeah, that. I was, I was like, oh, oh, good. There's an Oscar Wilde reference for this. Because it was marvellous. I also liked the lawyer. The lawyer was oh, great. The lawyer was excellent. Him. And and um and then all in the meantime, we just keep getting flashes too that Texas obviously has got stra- strands in various parts of Europe. So he leaves a yes. voicemail from Romania, and then yeah. he leaves a voicemail from Romania. Then then they get a fax. Well, they get facts in Hungarian. I mean, presumably, again, from Hungary. So from, from Hungary, yeah. So basically, he's touring Europe seemingly extremely rapidly. I mean, I know. <laughs> the reason he faxes the police station, because DMI Dunn, who we met earlier, she's gone out on her lunch break to buy a dress. And she comes back in and she's like, can't I even go out and buy a dress? Which I am <laughs> 100% going to use yeah. for all my lunch breaks from now on. Absolutely. I just loved it. She kind of comes back in. She's like, "Why is this person faxing us? What is happening? How have you let Lovejoy go?" And the guy's like, "Well, he's got an alibi." And she's like, "Ah!" She just really wanted to get him. So it's very bizarre because I did think though as well. I mean, I guess we don't know the ins and outs of the court case, but you know, Lovejoy was positively ID'd by the girl. Mm -hmm. So I mean, surely that and the alibi are kind of. I mean, I guess they must have discovered that she was in cahoots Mm -hmm. with them or whatever, but. It was all a bit confusing to me. But anyway, oh. they all go to the pub to celebrate Lovejoy going. Obviously, got Lovejoy. Tinker is there because obviously it's a pub. Um, <laughs> Charlotte and Alice and the lawyer having a lovely old time in the pub. Oh, and it just made me want to be in the pub. It was pub. lovely. I've been to pubs. Have you guys been to pubs? I've been to yeah, pubs but recently. Not, but not, so, I've, yeah. not, I've not been to the pub in that kind of way where, yeah. you know, when you go on sort of 
a win because somebody goes, oh, yeah. oh my god, I'm here, you're here. Should we go to the pub? And then you go to the pub and then there's somebody in the pub that you know. And then well, I've been yeah. to several pubs on a whim over the last few weeks. It is possible oh. again. Oh. Well, I think it's just the thing of like, you know, that everyone's just milling around. It's very relaxed. Yeah, you know, very, people yeah. Are, that's what I, and Tink, of course. Tink bumps into. An old pal. I didn't, did, I don't know if I got the Tink bumps into Basil, his friend Basil. Basil. I've written, Tinker meets another friend and they engage in a bizarre greeting ritual. <laughs> Sing a little French song. Yeah, of they course do, they do, and it's very, very sweet. And then, um, this the is best, uh, this sorry, this is where the best joke is. Is this what you were going to say? Uh, no. Oh my <laughs> god! So Alice and Charlotte, the lawyer, everybody's in the pub. Basil, Tink, blah 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 blah. And um, Alice says to Charlotte, "You know, I'm an artist. That's what I do. I paint." And Charlotte says, "Oh, that's that's so interesting. Would I have seen anything of yours hung?" That was good. That was good. I was yeah. funny. I had to pause the whole that thing was that I was watching. Yeah. I was in tears. I was like, oh my god. It was Perfect. quite funny. It's quite a good example Perfect. of the sort of dialogue that there was between them. Mm. And then, at the, and then, so into the pub walk Burgess, Kevin, and the girl from the bookies. So it was oh, at yeah. this point where I very slowly realised, oh, oh, she's in on it. She was in on I it. I also thought, would you go to a local pub, all of you together, after that? Would you really? Well, I guess they didn't care by this point. It's all done and dusted, I guess, Yeah. Um, from that legal perspective. So, um, and then obviously when they see, so then everyone, they all see them all together and they, they also realise, oh, it was, I mean, again, a bit slow on the uptake. Well, I suppose it, it wasn't obvious. They realised that Burgess and Kevin were the ones who've set him up. Yeah. And then, yeah, Charlotte and Alice bonding over their annoyance. Um, yeah. And Jeffrey, the lawyer's like, oh, come on, ladies, you know, stop. But Oh, it was so funny. He said, it's not gentlemanly. To, uh, it's not cricket. It's not cricket to be talking about a chap when he's not here to defend himself. And Alice says, no, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Alice is probably my favourite ever. She's brilliant. loved her. And then, and then Tink and his pal are doing an egg routine. Oh, oh yes, that was so funny. Also, but the egg routine was very interesting because what they were kind of saying was, I mean, where they got the eggs from is anyone's guess, the kitchen, I guess, in the pub. Um, but they were basically saying you can't um, crush the egg if you're doing it sort of end on, which I have had to, like, Helen, your day will come when you have to get an egg for some reason for homework. And see how long you can stand on it before it cracks. And I'm telling you, you can stand on it for like 15 minutes. Nothing will happen. So I don't know why they could smash the egg from the pointy end. Because if you actually have an egg, you can't do that. Even if you stand on it with your feet. Don't they like smash it quite hard with something? Surely if you smashed it quite hard. Yeah, I don't. It was very strange, wasn't it? But Everybody should all go and get an egg now and do it. I don't actually have any eggs. No eggs. No, I don't have any eggs, I don't think. Oh, well. Um, they were the, ask the listeners to crush an egg and then if report back. If you have back. an egg, listener, please try and crush it on the pointy end. Not so then report they, back. That's the trick. They pretend to crush it, they pretend they can't, and then they get someone else to try it, and obviously they smash it and they get egg all over them. And then they oh, get oh, they manage oh. to get Kevin, obviously, because we've established mm. Kevin's a bit thick. Mm. So they manage to get Kevin with this trick. So, and then they manage to get him twice because they're like, oh, they've swapped the eggs over, try the other egg, and yeah. It is, actually, it is actually quite funny. 
Um, and in the midst of all this, um, I guess Lovejoy, because obviously now Lovejoy knows who has set him up. Mm. So Lovejoy leaves the fun and frolics at the pub and is like, no, I'm, I'm on the case here. I want to get this guy who's got me. That was a stressful experience. Yeah. Um, so he goes to Wilson's like, gun shop, um, I guess, to like just see what he can see. It's not to know really what, why. I don't know. I've just, oh, I don't really understand what's happened to this. Wait. I've written police tip off the pair of love, the pair of Lovejoy shotgun. So the other one mm-hmm. is in Burgess's possession. Ha. Huh. Oh, so yes, yeah, so they've nicked both. Yeah. Sold off the one, used up the robbery. But because this is where greed is Burgess's downfall. And I actually wrote this. I wrote, ha, greed. And Lovejoy's always hated that pure greed. Yeah. And, and the fact that they butchered an object, that, an object that is worth something and, and that has value as in you know value as an item not just value in terms of money um so he he's getting his comeuppance for the many 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 things he's done wrong in this episode mm. yeah so basically so love i think i guess where love to go to the shop realizes both shotguns are missing realizes burgess must have the other one this is a way to prove that he was in on it so it's like haha gut him it's quite a good moment really and then um wilson comes along and um, they're discussing, you know, what he's going to do about the situation, you know, like with these guys wanting to buy a shop. Yeah, and Lovejoy's like, surely you've got stock that you can sell. You must have one kind of amazing thing in your shop. Yeah, and because um, he says, oh, the shop, it would cost him 300 grand to buy. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess he's got some kind of right to buy it or something, because it's like, obviously, even if he had the money, it's not, they wouldn't have to. Why would they sell it to him? So I guess he must have some claim to buy it. Mm. It's super heartbreaking because it's basically like this shop's been in his family for how long? Two hundred years, whatever. But they have they don't own it. They've always paid you know rent or whatever it is. So if he had the money, he could just buy it. But he doesn't have the yeah. money because why but would he, you have all that money lying around? Well, he well he has got two hundred grand. So it costs, yes. three, and so the shop would cost him three hundred grand. He's got two hundred grand, mm. so he only, he only needs a hundred grand. But he's saying, you know, I, I don't want to sell my stock because it's irreplaceable. Mm. Um, and uh, Lovejoy starts going through with his little divvy hands. Ooh. Little divvy hands. There must be something in here that's expensive. And in the meantime, yeah, the police find the gun because Lovejoy tips them off. That Burgess yes. has got the gun. So in the yeah. meantime, the police. You see them going in also to to um, uh, raid the sex shop, the um, the, the sex club, mm. which is quite amusing. Yeah, they they raid Burgess's and they get him. But while they're doing that, and Lovejoy's looking for like, do you have anything? He says, well, I've got this sort of Yanks folly thing. Or Lovejoy finds it or whatever. Oh yes. Yeah, Lovejoy just finds it. And it says it says on the case the Yanks folly. But then I've been Ulysses Grant. It was a gun that was meant to be owned by Ulysses S. Grant. So obviously this is where the two plots join up because he knows that Texas is going to want this Mm. item because it's an American. He's effectively returning something to its proper place Mm. again. Mm. Um, But there was a story behind it, which I did not write down, mainly because I have no interest in guns, even though I do have an interest in in Lovejoy. But the the idea is this is a historical artifact. I had a bit of a, oh, is he? Or is it a... Is it a, a story they've just a provenance they've attached to it, or is it real? Yeah, yeah I wasn't sure. so basically, well, I suppose it seems like it's well, real as in 
George believes it to be a real story because yes. he says to Luxor, Luxor finds yeah, it. He's not having anyone on, is he? Yeah. It's a proper thing. And I don't think George necessarily knows that Ulysses S. Grant was the president of the United No, yeah. he doesn't. No, Luxor yeah. obviously does. George says, oh, um, yeah, you know, the story about that is, so, so Luxor finds the X folly and says, what's this? And George says, oh, yeah, the story behind that is that it was made for an American soldier. They used it once and then they returned it to my great granddad who made it. Um, and they look, then they go and look up in the records, don't they? Like who? Oh, yes. Who was the soldier? Just in case, I guess it was someone. And they were like, oh, it was this chap, just some chap called Ulysses. Ulysses. He goes Ulysses <laughs> Simpson Grant, and um, yeah, that is quite cool. And basically, it? the guns were shitloads um, because he belonged to a president. He was a, he was a president, wasn't he? Ulysses yeah. S. Grant. Mm. And then because the police are hanging around, so they've had this lovely, they've found that made this discovery. And then Lovejoy, I think, does Lovejoy take the gun to sort of get it valued? Yeah, so, so and... while, they're, while they're, like, um, arresting Burgess or taking, you know, um, they look out the window and they see Lovejoy sort of excitedly taking this yeah. gun away. And because Lovejoy's been in prison... He shouldn't have a gun license. He can't have a firearm. Yeah, because he can't have a firearms license. So they're desperate to nail him for something. Yeah, so they, so they, they kind of spot him. He would have been in a lot more trouble for this if this was two years later. Because two years after this, Dunblane happened. Mm. And a lot of the rules really tightened up. The rules that were there but were not, you know. Mm. And then we go back to the pub where Tink and his mate are reminiscing. Charlotte and Alice are now sisters, like you say, best friends. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It is very sweet. Why have I written Basil and Tink naked fountains? Oh, because of the fountain in Trafalgar Square. Who yeah. hasn't been naked in the fountain in Trafalgar Square? If you haven't, you haven't lived, that's why. Exactly. Oh, I really enjoyed that. Um. So then, so Wilson, so basically they're all having a great time in the pub. It's all brilliant. And then Wilson comes to, like, totally ruin the vibe. <laughs> Yeah. By, telling, By the way, Lovejoy's been arrested. Lovejoy's been arrested yes. again because for, for this thing about having a firearm without a license. In, in the meantime, Texas leaves a voicemail for Lovejoy saying, I'm only available for the next hour. Um, so obviously Lovejoy's going to miss his chance with Texas. Oh, yeah. And then we, next thing we see, um, Lovejoy's up in front of a very stern judge. I feel like we haven't talked enough about Jeffrey, who's the lawyer. So I oh, know Jeffrey. Jeffrey. He's wonderful. Who's Charlotte's friend, isn't he? Yeah, yes. so he was there right at the start of the alibi to make sure that Lovejoy kind of got got off or was freed yes. or whatever. Um, and Je- and Jeffrey went to the pub with them, and he's the one who said, you know, don't talk about Jeff when he's not here. Um, so now Jeffrey is going to be the person responsible for trying to get Lovejoy off again, but in front of this really, really harsh, very old school old boys network very old boys network judge, judge which is probably accurate about a lot of judges even now even, even now. more so in more so in the yeah. 90s but even now they come up with the absolute best plan because they know I find it quite depressing it, I just I'm just going to say depressing, but it does work. even though it works <laughs> yeah Lovejoy has a great idea so basically he makes the lawyer whose dad is a judge as well that we've mm. learned oh yes they swap so like Lovejoy and the lawyer swap clothes because the lawyer's been to Eton yeah, so Lovejoy wears the lawyer's suit, obviously including the Eton tie. And the do you look, think people do just wear their Eaton ties when they're like in their forties? Yeah, a bit like the, I would if it's, I was in court. It's yeah. a bit like the people who were. It's a bit like the games makers from 2012, and you still see them walking around in their like oh, games makers purple tops. Games yeah, 
wearing yeah. my little jacket. I'm wearing my vaccination team T-shirt around quite a lot, <laughs> except it looks like a bin liner because they only had one size. But anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so, but, but it does work. The judge lets Lovejoy off because he sees the Eaton tie. The Eaton Doesn't... tie wins the day, as I It does, it does. So you get to see, you get to see the absolute sort of joy of Jeffrey, this very kind of spade lawyer who's losing his hair, you know, his hair spinning. He's yes. like a, a bit of a podgy sort of public schoolboy. He's wearing Lovejoy's leather jacket, his <laughs> and Lovejoy looks He does look gorgeous. He looks great, doesn't he? He can pull it off very well. What a lovely boy. If only he would pull it off. Oh. <laughs> oh. You take that bit out. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so, so then they're... saying it, I'm so sorry. <laughs> So then they've got to race back to Suffolk because obviously they're in London. This is all taking place in London where the crimes have been happening. So they've now got they've got one and a half hours to get back to Suffolk to be there in time for when Texas will be there for one hour only. How do they get back to Suffolk? They get a black cab for one hundred and twenty six pounds and sixty pence. I Bargain. would just like to tell you, I have taken a black cab from Soho, obviously, because because Soho is in this episode, it kind of makes more sense. But I've taken a cab from Soho. Back to my house in zone three, so zone one to zone three. It was seventy-two pounds. Holy shit! Recently? No, it must have been obviously That's not recently. We can't go out. Um, but we—that is insane. An Uber would cost you about twelve quid. <laughs> Like, you know, yeah, but it's insane. Meter. But do you remember? I mean, do you remember before? Like, well, I mean, yes. I mean, mm. not, in the before times. Time. I mean, this isn't, we're not going that back. That no, no. I don't even mean that. I mean, not before Uber. Like before, so not even going back that far. A few years ago, you know, I would never have got a taxi anywhere no. because a black cab was so, so expensive, expensive, and then yeah. mini cabs were so dodgy or difficult to get. Yeah, you had to go. You couldn't hail them, so you had to like. No, go, I would never get. You had to go to a cab office or phone them up, and it was all a bit dodge. Anyway, did we have we said how the how the Eaton tie uh, succeeded? I think we 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 got sidetracked by just the, that the judge. I think that the judge just thought he went to Eaton, therefore let him off. He did Which exactly, but we need to, you know, yeah, it's that old boys network That's working really in his favour. I mean, it's good because in a way they've got one over on the old boys network because he wasn't at Eaton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was at a more minor public school. <laughs> a more, yeah, yeah. I think it was meant to be at some a sort of minor private school, wasn't he, rather than at one I of mean, the older anyway. Yeah, but, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know. Yes, they get the taxi back, which costs them £126.60p, and, um, and to meet to meet Texas. And, I mean, I, I've got to say Texas. I mean, I know, like, his, they call him Texas, but, I mean, isn't he, like, this is so stereotypical. Yeah. I've written, is he American? Question mark. And then I remembered how, <laughs> how, how we'd fallen foul of thinking French people weren't French when they were. So. Mm. Oh, no, he's definitely American, I think. Yeah. And um, so he's ba- so basically, they turn up there. Obviously, he's already there because they've rushed back, you know. He's yeah. already there at, at the auction house. And Kate, bless her, is trying to really trying to sell the oh, yes to the American. My mind was wandering at this point because I've just written, Alice looks a bit like Christine Hamilton. And I put it in brackets oh. to indicate that it was just a funny thought going on in my head. <laughs> a, on, a younger, more attractive. A younger, yeah. more attractive Christine Hamilton. Yeah. I, I can sort of see what you Christine mean. Hamilton was around this time as well. Mm. It was all going on around this time. Sorry, Helen. I, I no, 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 very no, rudely. No, no, no. I was just it was a bizarre aside that at this point, I think I was getting bored. I started to see shiny things. And was I like, oh, like Polly's 
didn't like this episode. She didn't. She didn't. Literally been I like did. My one. I anyway, like carry on, carry on. So yeah, so she's trying to sell the tapestry, but Texas doesn't like the tapestry after all that. But he does like the fake watercolors. What Alice painted. Yeah. <laughs> of course he does. Jeffrey, the lawyer, loves the tapestry. So all's well that ends well. So the lawyer buys the tapestry for fifteen grand. So Lovejoy's made a profit. Excellent. And, can, and, and pre- presumably, yeah, so I hope he's paid Charlotte interest. I hope he. I hope. I hope he does. And also Lovejoy, as he hoped to, sells Texas the gun. Yes. Um, which, uh, but that's not profit for Lovejoy. Hopefully. Well, I bet he takes a percentage, but he's going to give that money to, give that, yeah, to George. And we don't actually, when well, we don't know the end of that story, but we hope that that enables George to buy his I shop. I hope so. And I think that's implied, isn't it? Because he's often, you know, he is he is a man of honour. And um, as always, all's well that ends well. Absolutely. I absolutely love this episode. I don't know whether maybe it just caught me in a good mood. Hmm. I really liked Alice. Like, I really liked Alice. I was like, okay, it's somebody that I identify with. I think Alice just annoyed me, and I don't know why. I just... (laughs) You were jealous. I am. That's what it is. I was just like, I am not like any of these women. I can't pull off. Like, he obviously only goes for a certain type, and I am not it. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely loved this episode. I loved it. Like, it had everything. It had peril... It had, you know, it had so shady men. It had shady men doing shady things. It had sexy love joy. It had it was comedy. It had brilliant pub scene. Alice was amazing. I mean, I just thought it was great. I really loved it. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, I think it might be one of my faves. Go on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it nine. <gasps> ooh, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Say- 8.5 because I feel like I've given an 8 to things that I've not enjoyed much of this but 9 mm. is quite high I know it mm. is but I just bloody loved it it was good it was so enjoyable it was such a romp I think I was I was just annoyed at how he treated Charlotte but it, yes. as an episode it was good I'm going to give it an 8 I like seeing Soho yeah I did like Soho I like the subplot I thought we could have made a little bit more of it I'm almost a bit annoyed that they just sort of shoved in that Ulysses S. Grant thing at the very end yeah. as a solution because that's really interesting. I quite like I, I like all of that and I felt it was a shame that it was just sort of thrown in as the end of an episode. But yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight. So I didn't dis I did didn't adore it as much as you two apparently did. I think I mean the only downsides for me were yeah the thing with Charlotte, like what is going on with Charlotte? Why is he being such a dick to her? And then no Beth. No Beth was and no Beth, Beth, yeah. yeah. No Beth so minus minus half a point for Lovejoy. She'd have been good in this as well. I feel like they should have used her with her street street wise, all of that. Yeah. So I'm a bit disappointed about that. Yeah. But I overall bloody loved it. Yeah. Very good. Did we learn anything? I learned that you should always have an open return. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well I I learned this is through the recording this, not really through other the speaking clock still exists. <laughs> That is true. I feel like I did learn. Oh, I learned that the old boys network was still alive and well in the 90s. And it still is. But we know that already from many episodes of Lovejoy. Um, I I, I did learn quite how much Soho has become more at market. Yeah. Because Mm, now it is actually a very trendy place. It was the first place that I went to, you know, after lockdown when you could eat outside and all of that. And my husband got his bagnick there, so it hasn't changed completely. Oh, no. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not. Oh, that's awful. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I made a laughing noise. Eyes on the bag. Eyes on the bag. Always. 
So uh, I think that's what I learned, that actually Soho used to be a lot seedier than it is, because now, although it has its seedy spots, it is quite an upmarket place. Did you have an antique of the week? I loved the fluffy top. Ah. Partly because I suppose last episode, I was like, oh, I've got that antique. And this episode, I was like, okay, you know what? That wasn't an antique at the time, but I had it, so now it would be an antique. If I still had it, that lovely fluffy pink crop top. It just, it really made a lot of feelings happen in my heart. I loved it. I would quite like the sassy policewoman because I don't think you'd be like that now. Yeah. I think she's an antique. The, you know what, I'm still making it in a man's world and I'm going to yeah. be in well, control. I, I quite like to, or, or if I can't have her, all the clothes. Just all, <laughs> all the clothes. clothes. All I, the clothes. I know what you mean about the sassy police officer, but. I mean, watching that very hard-hitting documentary line of duty. Um, <laughs> Helen's favourite show, by the way. I love it. But um, Why is they, she not on Shrine of Duty? That's good. Yeah. The, the, the women on Line of Duty are quite like that as well, I think. The female like police officers are quite ballsy and quite like... Yes. You can see they're like, I've got to show them that I'm as tough oh. as a man. I think that's yeah. still... But it's different. I agree. It's like a different expression. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I'm just going to keep on my theme. My antique of the week is phoning up for the news. <laughs> the yeah. news. We've had a lot of telephone related. We should go through when this is all over and see how many telephone related. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm still getting, it's like, you know, the nearest phone was half an hour away. Yeah. I know, that is a long way. I mean, they do live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But the, the house she was staying in didn't have a phone. I've been to places where the nearest phone reception is half an hour away, which is just about the same thing. I don't know thing. why I didn't mention this at the time, but I felt as though it did have a phone and she was like, no, you can't come in. But did I just yeah. Well, this no. is why I think she sabotaged the car and then went, well, there's no phone. Maybe. This is why I, d- I just found it implausible, which is why I thought it was her just to get, Maybe. You know, mm. get her knickers off and have a bit of... I mean, but you would, right? Because he was... A bit of a bonk. Get her knickers off and have a bit of a bonk. Yeah, that sounded better in my head. He it's been a very long day. A bit of a bonk. bit of a bonk. <laughs> it's like so 70s. Yeah. That's I'm in the wrong decade. Episode. What, yeah, bit like, of a bonk? The listeners won't know till it's actually <laughs> a final sentence. A bit of a bonk. Excellent. And I think that's that all as well that ends well. That's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Follow us online, please, at Lovejoy Apod. Yeah, talk to me on Twitter. Preferably on Twitter because I never bother updating Instagram. There's loads on Twitter uh, at the moment. We've been chatting. People have been voting for us in the British Podcasting Awards. Yay! Thank you very much. You can vote <laughs> for us in, uh, until uh, early July. So Ooh. I think when this goes out, it'll be just about the last day that you can do it. But you can vote for us. British Podcasting Awards um, forward slash vote. I'm, I'm going to write on all our publicity. Nominated for the listener's choice of the British podcast. Or, because, I mean, technically. Technically, we technically were. Exactly. Um, if you join us on Patreon at um, whatever that is, www.patreon.com. Actually, you will get um, ideas for cocktails for um, each series, which is very exciting. Including the ones where we didn't actually have a cocktail, but we have gone back mm. and retrospectively assigned a relevant <laughs> beverage yes. To each episode. Um, and we've got the outtakes from our guest episode with um, the Midsummer Maniacs, which makes me laugh every time I listen to it. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I'll share it with you. And um, I think that's us done, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. We love Thank you, you for indulging us. We love you loads. And we'll see you soon.
Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>